I'm Ryan, the other guy's Jordan, and this is Two Angles on Angling. Everybody and welcome back to episode number 17 of Two Angles on Angling. This is Jordan with Ryan. What's up? And it's been, this is, again, two weeks since yeah. our last episode. Uh, we've both been going on trips and excursions, which has been great. Uh, a lot to fill you guys in on. As for... You know, where we've been, uh, what the fishing's been like, all that good stuff. Uh, so, Ryan, how you been? I'm good, bro. I'm good. It's been, uh, it's been pretty chill. You know, like, I've only been doing four trips a week-ish the past couple of weeks since you've been gone. You know, mixing doubles in there, but we had the 4th of July holiday in there that uh, I don't like to go out during. There's a lot of boat traffic, and we had great weather, too, so it would have been an absolute zoo. I went out for a little bit on one of the mornings with my nephews, but, uh, yeah, I've just been, just been coasting. But, you know, st- steady work over the past couple of weeks and more of a summertime chill, so not a lot of... Uh, Super exciting things to, to talk about. I'm not going to give a play-by-play over the last couple of weeks. I'll just say that the overwhelming majority of the days have been fishable. Um, and things are, uh, you know, light winds, not a lot of rain. You know, it hasn't gotten super big out there too many times. So and I've just noticed uh, the numbers aren't there and uh or the, the numbers of bass aren't there like they have been it's starting to, i'm starting to catch them like in a bunch of different spots you know like they're never really thick in certain areas you'll pick up like a handful here a handful there and like can put together a solid enough day mm-hmm. but uh it's been kind of grindy trying to to find them and stay on them consistently you know they're not where they have been on top of uh gravel and sand in good numbers they're still there to some extent but they're also getting rock pile oriented too mm. you know there's a there's a ton of bait just a ton of bait anywhere like over 35 feet i've just been seeing lots and lots of bait down there um so it's been kind of scattershot just moving all over the place you know rivers fishing pretty good the lake's fishing pretty good nothing's on fire but it's it's good enough to put together some solid days and that's what I've been doing. So, how was your uh your vacay, bro? Very, very, very good. Uh, so for July, you know, the week of July fourth, however it falls, uh, that's when we usually go on vacation. And for the last, I think it's about twelve years, we've been going to Thousand Islands, uh, in Chippewa Bay that area so just a little further past alex bay what brought you to that place though why there so even uh, probably like 15 years ago or more i believe uh 
our cousins were going up there and I'm not I can't remember exactly how they found it or anything um and then we ended up going with them one of the few years took a little break and then we started going again they we couldn't go at the same time so we you know drifted away there and uh we it was it was just more of you know your standard family vacation fishing when we were younger but like then as we got more into it more serious you know that was more of our goal while we were there was to spend more time fishing rather than you know cool. vacationing or relaxing you know so uh this year was one of the most memorable i can definitely say that uh so we got there on Saturday, the 2nd, went out the first first evening, we were just going to go to some of our normal spots that are relatively close, go out, fish for a bit, catch some just to get the, you know, break the ice and then go in and relax. So we went out, my brother caught the first fish of the trip, it was a decent largemouth on a wacky rig, you know, standard stuff. Uh, and then I went, uh, uh, to another spot kind of heading on our way in and I was like, I don't know if they're, if we're going to catch anything here it's been a few years since I have, so let's try it. So first cast in with a spinner bait that I made, this bowfin demolishes nice. it. I had no idea what it was until like it got into the net because it wasn't fighting like a bowfin it did not destroy my spinner bait somehow. It like, it just fought very weirdly. So I thought it was just a largemouth at first. And then it got in the net and I'm like, okay, all right. It's only the second one I've ever caught. And that was a blast. Yeah, I've only caught one, man. They're an awesome fish. Yeah. Uh, and especially, and I have not caught one like this, but like they get like, uh, like, like a, a glow thing. stick yeah. on their belly. Yeah, it's the males color. with yeah. their spawning colors. Yeah. It's wild. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, anyways, so that wrapped up the first day. I was a little disappointed that the bass were uh, not biting a little better than that. But uh, so we went into the next day and we knew we had our guide trip on Monday. So we weren't going to go out for too long. So we only did like, I think, a five hour trip and decided that we were going to start off going after some smallmouth. And that quickly disintegrated because it was just not panning out. Uh, we caught two. You said small that you decided you were gonna go for smallmouth. Like, yeah, yeah. so what's the yeah? So what what what's the difference in terrain when you say that you're gonna do that? Yeah. So that that's something else that I wanted to like say about the St. Lawrence and just how amazing it is because like it's. I've done the same, similar stuff all the way down to Clayton. Uh, any of those bays, inlets, uh, that have more of the reeds and the grass, uh, even on a lot of the islands, as long as it's not necessarily super main river stuff, there's largemouth on it, as well as smallmouth at times, depending on where you're at. But the deeper stuff out in the main river is more smallmouth territory. Okay. Uh, that's on the U.S. side. I can't speak for the Canadian side, sadly. But, uh, so the whole river system is just 
just wildly amazing. If if no if you guys aren't familiar with it, take a look on a map. It's the section though that we're in is the heart of the Thousand Islands. So like we're we're in all of the islands. Uh not too far sorry for all the noise if anyone's hearing it, but uh if you go up a little further you start getting more into the a little more open open area getting away from all the islands but regardless so what's we it like were navigating going, through there like if you have navionics are you so are you good yeah pre- pretty much that's i was really trusting it this last week not that we were going anywhere that i haven't necessarily been before but uh it's a sketchy place. Yeah, because Georgian Bay is that way too, yeah. man. I, t- I took my boat up to, a couple times up to Georgian Bay, and it's Navionics is pretty accurate, but it's definitely sketch. Yeah, yeah. And, and the 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 one issue I I had is this one area, and it worked to our advantage, I guess. But this one area, the map was saying that it was, uh, fifteen foot deep or ten foot deep, like in between there. And I'm going over, and it's at 44 foot. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, what's going to happen if I go up into two foot? Is it going to be so, like, where is the, you know, I'm glad it was working in that way, and it wasn't the opposite, but. uh, That's a huge discrepancy. Yeah, and it was very confusing, but. uh, So regardless, so we chased smallmouth for a little bit. My dad caught one on a drop shot. I caught one on a Ned rig. No big surprises. Uh, and then I was throwing a spy bait and I hooked up with one and it was solid three, three plus and it jumped. The spy bait came flying by me and I lost <laughs> the fish, which sucked, but, uh, we gave it our best for a little while longer in there. And then we were like, all right, let's go chase some largemouth on another spot that we love that we always catch fish on. And so we decided, all right, let's go up there. So we got over there, fished this one transition area where you can catch smallmouth and largemouth. It's like right on the border of where like they're both pretty heavy. And was seeing them, hooked up with one on the spy bait, lost it again. Uh, And then I was like, all right, let's just go eat lunch and we're going to target largemouth for real this time. I pulled out the one rod and I'm like, you know, this jig is the jig that I lost a largemouth on on this spot last year. And it was a really big one. So I'm going to throw it at the exact same spot and see what happens. Well, lo and behold, on one of the first few casts on that spot with that jig landed. I don't know the weight on it. I'm Ryan, I'll show you the picture. I believe, you know, it doesn't even matter. You'll, you'll see. It's a beautiful fish, regardless of whatever it does weigh. Um, it's a hundred percent the biggest largemouth I've ever caught up there. Really? Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. And on a jig I made and everything, it was just, it was beautiful. It's a cool watercolor there. Yeah. Uh, it's like here. Yep. And it's got like really green areas and like the, the shallow shoals when you're fishing them. I wish I would have taken some pictures of those because it's like pure white end spots. And then you're going into this like aqua green into mm. like darker. It's amazing. Re- really cool area. Uh, so we wrapped up that day, caught some, my brother caught a few nice largemouth as well. Uh, might have caught another smallmouth or so. 
And then Monday we had the guide trip, and that was all main river stuff. So we've been getting the same guide, I think, for six, maybe seven years now. His name's Captain Randy Yeager, um, and I believe his his site is guidedbasstrips.com. So real easy. Uh, even if you just Google him and Thousand Islands Randy Yeager, he'll pop up, but uh, we've been going to him for so long cause he does a great job. Uh, traditionally with most people, he uses live bait. Uh, but at times he, he even says like, as you've said, like the artificials are going to outshine the, the live bait and so on. Uh, and he loves taking us out because, you know, we've been going with him so long and he understands that we're more proficient anglers than, than, you know, the more touristy people that, yeah, like I, he's I, used I, to getting. I have uh, a solid number of those guys. They typically just don't fish with me in the summertime. But like two dudes that, that fish with me recently are both highly competent anglers, and they they crushed, you know. So yeah, and so just just for reference, as for to like what was going on while I was up on the Saint Lawrence, uh, with the flow of of the fish uh took a few days to figure it out and, and understand what was going on because like in the bay it was like 74 degrees water temp and then out there it was like 67 so pretty big water temp difference so i was trying to figure that out uh as to where like the fish were and it seems like you can catch them up shallow there all the time at all the times of year that I've been there for tournaments and such like you can catch them up shallow which is pretty cool but it seemed like they were some of them were spawning and a lot of them were like post spawn but not thin they they were like beefed up you know um so we ended up I think with Randy every fish that we caught that was worth anything was caught six foot or less probably and with like a light eighth ounce ned and just bouncing it around fluttering it like just like you like you've talked about before like casting it out letting it hit bottom popping it reeling up the slack pop raise it you know like just yep. gently working it uh and it's you know so so interesting fishing there because i mean where else nowhere else have i fished for a week daily pretty much for 12 years so like the only other river system i know is the niagara river and the in the lower but you know mostly the upper that's i probably fish as much as the st lawrence and it's so it's so similar but also so very different like there's areas in the st lawrence like you'd think that you're just going to be absolutely flying but there's like no current there's a lot more current breaks and everything, obviously due to the islands, but even once you get, um, and there's a lot more shallow flats and everything, you know, the St. Lawrence is, is famous for that. Place. You haven't been? No. Bro, you really, like, um, if, if you want to this, uh, if you got time this, like, this summer or late summer well, to go not this summer, but, you know, bro. late summer, like, uh... Like, I always do something in September, and I don't have anything planned out yet, so it might be, uh, might be something worthwhile doing. It's, 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 it's well worth it, but uh, anyways, uh, 
I love this place, if you guys could not tell. So, my dad was on fire for a while, and he boated a bunch. I lost another one on this 5.8, and then I was very baffled. I could not could not get a bite, and he told us, he was like, you know, it's been an afternoon bite, and it's been in flurries, so like you guys might catch five fish, and then go an hour, and catch another five, seven, ten fish, and go an hour, so we were, we were prepared for it, and... It's the same thing that I've been noticing. It's interesting. Yeah. That far, like, you know, way different area as well. But uh, the similarities, yet again. So finally, I was like, all right. Almost every cast, he's getting moss on his Ned rig or whatever. And I'm like, this that's just unacceptable. Like, I'm like, I can't deal with this. Like, it's it's not worth it. it like, to me, that's like, you're literally just like praying it's yeah. like, you know that it's going to get mossed up. So I started throwing the spy bait again because you can keep it up very easily. And then I was like, I'm going to switch to a single swimmer. My first freaking cast hooked up with the biggest one of the day by far. Jumps right at the motor. And then my line just goes flying and it broke off. I was very upset. I hate, I hate breaking off on a big, on any fish. Like that's just the worst feeling. Um, but so I got frustrated and I'm like, you know what? Cause I brought a spinning rod set up with me. Oh man, you would have been so proud of the, <laughs> the very little tackle I brought. I'm going to show you a photo, man. And I could have brought half of what I did. This is all I brought. And there's nothing in that Carhartt bag that's fishing related besides sunglasses. Nice. Okay. Very, very, like, you know. So. Well done, dude. Thank you, thank you. So I broke off on that one uh, on my spinning rod. So then I picked up my bait caster, which was the same rod that I used and caught the largemouth with. Braid to a flora leader. It was amazing. And I was throwing a spinnerbait around because I've had a lot, a lot of good luck up on the St. Lawrence. Largemouth, smallmouth, pike on a spinnerbait. Um, maybe it's just because I throw it so much up there. Obviously, you know, we've talked about the yeah. whole confidence aspect. but And then I started getting demolished. So I went on a little streak. I caught a, a decent one. It was probably around four. Because uh, we were not... We were connecting with bigger ones, but just no absolute giants. Which, you know, that, that that's fine. Uh, we probably caught, I think, around 20 fish or so, which is slow. Uh, we've had several days up there with him in the past where it was, you know, upwards of, I believe, like more like 40. Which yeah, I think it's super interesting that everything that you've told me is pretty much what I've seen here, you know. Except not not necessarily where the fish are sitting, but numbers wise are lower in size was has been smaller. You know, not I don't know. I don't know why, but uh, I I just think fish are moving around. You know, like yeah. that's the they're moving from one substrate. You know, grass or gravel and sand, etc. And um. They're trying to find other food sources, you know, mm -hmm. or they're eating a ton of bait at the same time. There's a lot of emeralds around. 
But the uh, you just triggered something to me when you were talking about the uh, the Ned getting mossed up thing. Um, maybe I'm crazy, man, but. So the whole, like, out the free-floating algae thing in the river is pretty much done. Like, there's not a lot of it around. Oh, bad. Um, but I don't know, man. The river just seems like there's way more grass in it this year. I, I don't... Maybe I'm crazy. I, 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 don't I know. haven't fished it in so long. I wish I could... But, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite grassy. And... Uh, I just don't remember being this grassy. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but... I'll go out soon, and I'll definitely I'll where verify. I, where I'm going with this is uh, the way that I typically fish a net does, does not work well in a grassy area. Yeah. You know, because I'm skipping it on the bottom, and you're constantly getting mossed. Yeah. I've been calling it, like, Grinch hair. You're getting Grinch haired, you know? And uh, yeah. Yeah. what I started doing, and it's worked really well, is... Uh, Fish it like a, a really erratic stick bait. Fish and net like a stick bait or a swim bait. So I've just been casting it out, letting it sink a little bit, and pop, 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 and then just picking up slack and just having a dart in the water, shoot all over the place, and let it, then let it sink and die, then dart it around. And dude, it's been fantastic. I mean, it's been absolutely fantastic. Like, that's the way to go. All like right. super, super erratic. Just keep it in the top, like, you know, like I'm in I, river, lake, in current, you know, I'm not fishing too much deeper than 20, you know, rarely. It's mostly in the teens. So if you work like the bottom, you know, like you got to try to picture, and this is what takes skill is the timing as far as the descent rate goes, but you, you have to stay in that bottom like four feet of the water column yeah, like between like just stay up about it stay yeah. up about a foot off the bottom and that's tough like to, to determine timing but that's what a good like super fast action very sensitive very light rod and braid and flora will do for you you know like when you make that first weed contact just a hard rip to make sure it's out pop it a bunch of times in case you got slime and then just keep it high and just twitch it like a jerk bait. And it's been getting slammed. So something something That's to think very about. Interesting. If uh now you might just say, okay, well, why wouldn't you just fish a jerk bait? And it's like, okay, you can, but if there's still some free floating moss around or um you're gonna pick that up. Yeah, it's a much bigger profile. Yeah, plus the treble hooks, which I'm not a huge fan of, plus um most jerk baits aren't running that deep. That deep, you know. And so you could say crank bait. Why don't you do that? And it's the same principle. It's kind of like uh, from a like an angling or physics perspective. It's the uh, the difference between swinging a bait. So you have something heavy like an inline circle or like a inline spinner, or a jig or a nud you know, whatever, a grub, some heavy-headed thing. And you're you're controlling the descent rate. You know, like if you work a, a stick bait or a crankbait, the bait's designed to do, to go to a certain depth, depending, yeah. depending on a, a retrieve speed, but still, I mean, it's going to go to a certain depth. But if you're fishing something that's that's weighted, 
you you control the depth, you know, and you got to deal with current and time yeah. and, and all that stuff. But if you get good at that, you can really hang in the strike zone and play with different parts of the strike zone. And uh, it's interesting. And it works, like, really well if you if you can get good at it, I think it outfishes live bait. Because you can try fishing live bait in the river, and you'll catch fish for sure. But the problem is, like, when you go through weedy areas, um, and you're using, like, something like a three-way swivel and a drop weight and a hook hanging off the back of it, you're going to pick up weeds all the time. Yeah. You know, but if you can teach people or get yourself programmed to stay up off those weeds, you'll end up doing much better. So, so, so the one thing which... I kind of use this up on the St. Lawrence, but I not much. Uh, the drop shot, yeah, I do love a lot, and I use that all the time back home on the Niagara when it's like that. I always forget about it. It's never like my go-to for some reason, but I usually just run a really, really long leader on it from the weight, like two yeah. foot plus at times, um, and I'm dragging it, but like you were talking about you were talking about physics. I'm talking about geometry now. Like the yeah. angle of your line with that, like you're going to be above the weeds as long as you keep it at a good angle distance away from the boat. Right. So that's another good way to get around the, the weeds. But here is the number one way we found while uh, up there to stay out of the moss. And it turned out to be a lot of freaking fun. So, the one thing I did not throw while on the guide trip was a hair jig. A little light hair jig, which I usually do. And I usually catch a big one on it. I just, it slipped my mind. So then, excuse me, the next day, I tied one on. And we were fishing this shoal. And and nothing was following it. Nothing was biting. And I'm like, okay. So we started, the wind started blowing and we started drifting and we're in like 12 foot and then I'm seeing it's like getting into 18 and I'm like, I'm just going to cast this hair jig out and let it sink to the bottom and drag it while while we float to the next island. A, a three and a half pound largemouth smokes it in 18 foot of water nice. while it's dragging on the bottom and I'm like, all right. So that started like cueing me in. So then the next outing, I started throwing the hair jig a lot. And started catching a lot of fish. And the the most shocking thing to me was they were mostly largemouth. Hmm. On these... What color was it? White? Black. Jet black. Well, yeah, jet black with two strands of tinsel. Very fine uh, tinsel. So very little flash. Throwing it on, you know, as light. I was trying to throw it. A, I was throwing it on my drop shot setup, pretty much. So eight pound braid to like a eight to six pound leader, longer seven foot two rod, just whipping it out there. But on these rock shoals, they did have weeds around them for the most part. But like you'd cast it up, foot of water, and a largemouth is gonna smoke it, like just sitting on the rock. It, it was a very strange thing for me. That's where I'd be catching smallmouth. Right. Uh, which we did catch a few intermixed there as well, uh, which is this one I want to show you. This one was a pretty cool smallmouth. Uh, just due to the color of it, it's oh yeah, dude sitting next to some dark stuff. Yeah, jet. It's jet black. 
Um, it almost looks like a rock bass when they're like, they get their super dark colors. Um, so we started dialing in the hair jig bite and small mouth, large mouth. It was going really well. And then we stumbled onto this one new spot and first cast, I think it was or second cast with the hair jig. Someone, my dad or I caught one. I'm like, okay. So after I caught like my third fish, I looked at my dad and I'm like, I'm sorry, but you have to throw this right now. Like there's no way you're not going to get bit if you throw this right now. Cause he was coming up with moss almost every cast they're on the net and the, you know, the wacky and stuff. So I am start throwing it. And his second fish on it was like a four, four, four and a half pounder large mouth. So I'm like, okay. So we're figuring it out. Uh, ended up, I don't know, probably catching like 20 fish alone on that hair jig throughout the rest of the, the trip. Uh, little one eighth ounce head. I made it with a, I think it's like a size one or one not gamagatsu with just some marabou and a little bit of tinsel. So you fish it in the drop shot setup though? On my rod, yeah. I didn't, I did oh. not rig it. People do fish it like that with, like, they just tie a hook, which I, I have that, and I've done it, but, uh, which that would work very so you're, well. You're, you're jigging it around. I'm you? just, oh, sorry, I thought I, I thought I said that part. I apologize. So whipping it out there as far as you could, flipping your bail, and then reeling as slow as you could without hitting the bottom, and then every now and again maybe give it a little, little pulse, and those lights out. Nice. And uh, it's it's just a cool cool way to fish because uh, you're getting in that water column without touching bottom. And it's a very tiny, like, you know, little finesse. I've used the exact same one steelhead fishing, the exact same jig. So it's, like, very tiny stuff, but they just engulf it. Um, the, the week ended somewhat slow or I, I shouldn't say slow but it was just no big ones it, it definitely the size went down uh caught another three or something on a, on the spinnerbait yet again I, I don't I was just on fire with the spinnerbait this weekend uh but the other thing that my goal going up there was I'm going to target multi-species and I said I know that I can go cut target largemouth go target smallmouth uh, do pan fish if I want. So we kind of put a challenge out there to like get the trifecta. Who's going to get it? So the one outing, my dad got largemouth, smallmouth, pike. Same outing, I ended up getting largemouth, smallmouth, pike. And the uh, one I caught that night was absolutely wild. The, the It was a rained out day, so we didn't go out. But we had like a two-hour window in the evening and we went on. I'm like, we're going to target pike. That's it. So I had uh, a big spinner bait on and a big glide bait. And my dad had a maps on, which is his like diehard lure up there. And within the first, I don't know, 30 minutes, my dad hooked up with two. The one absolutely monstrous, like took it right under the boat no time to even react. Like he hook, he tried setting the hook, but it was just so close. 
And, I mean, bro, the girth on this thing. It, like, when it rolled, Ooh. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I didn't know that these things got this big. Uh, and then a few minutes later, he hooked up with another one right by the boat, and it came off. And I'm like, what the heck? So I'm throwing the glide bait around, and I have one follow it. And I'm like, come on. And then we finally get to the, the end of the night, and on one of the last casts, I, I'm like, all right. Let's just work it. Like, I've been trying to work it fancy. I'm just going to reel it in. And boom, it, it got smoked by a by a decent northern, one of my better ones from up there probably. When you say you're going to go target these things, like, where are you fishing that's different for them? Or is it just bait size? Um, Mostly bait size, but there is definitely a factor of we were fishing deeper than we would have been. And in so, let me grab a sip of water. Oh, yeah. It's a beaut. T-boned it. It's a beaut. So, the, the St. Lawrence and, like, how it's, why it is so unique is because there are definitely areas with heavy milfoil that you can go flip baits and jigs and wacky rigs. And then there's a lot of eelgrass areas. There's reeds. I caught a largemouth flipping a jig in reeds like you're in Florida or something in three foot of water. There's shoals everywhere. Some of them have weeds. Some of them are just pure rock. And then there's huge flats of, and I don't know what it actually is called. I probably should by now. We just call it garlic grass. And you just, you'll be reeling your bait in and you get stuck on some, you pull it in and the second it's out of the water, it smells like garlic. Hmm. And for us, consistently over the last years, whenever we find or catch that grass, there's pike nearby. I don't know why. We have caught pike, obviously, in the other areas where we're catching largemouth, but in those areas, it, it just seemed to hold pike. We're not sure why. Um, but... You know, so and for largemouth, we might have been fishing five foot or less. And there was some milfoil mixed in in some of these areas we were catching the pike, but not not a lot. Uh, and then like six foot to eight foot was where I was mostly targeting them uh, and where we had a lot of follows and everything. So, and, and I don't know much about pike. Like, I'm just kind of going off of a whim and like my prior experiences and it paid yeah. off. Had a few more throughout the week, hit the glide bait, lost a few at the net, but it is what it is. It was, it was fun. Uh, and then on the, on I think it was the last day, I caught a perch, a largemouth and a smallmouth. So I got my panfish in there accidentally, but uh, yeah, it was just a blast. Caught, caught, you know, all those species, a bowfin, just absolutely wild place. I highly recommend anyone go there. Uh, and you really can keep it super, super simple. Um, just that, you know, like maybe, maybe for me, it still yet again, wouldn't be as simple as what Ryan might approach it with, <laughs> but like a hair jig, a wacky rig, a drop shot and like a spinner bait. I'm just playing around with different stuff. is kind of interesting too. But to your point about the, uh, that whole area and that, the fact that I haven't really been to it, it's that's what I want to start doing more often in the upcoming years is 
spend more time exploring the rest of New York stuff. You know, I mean, I fished a bunch of stuff in New York, but like the St. Lawrence, like the more famous areas, like the St. Lawrence and the uh, or not famous, but like the bigger bodies of water, like the the Finger Lakes and St. Lawrence region, I haven't touched yet. You know, I fished the Adirondacks, I fished the Catskills, I fished the southern part of the state in the Allegheny. I've obviously fished all around here, but yeah. the center of the state, I've just bypass. You know, so definitely want to check it out, man. It's awesome. You had a good time and learned a bunch of stuff too. Oh, it was yeah, it was wild. And uh, on the way, way driving there. What's the drive time? For there where we stay it was four hours, so not bad. Um, not bad at all. No. And so I had this idea on the drive that I wanted to pass by you because I think you're going to love it. So say we, like whoever took a week, so Sunday to Sunday off, and first day, fish Erie or the river, whatever the winds permit. Mm -hmm. Leave, go fish Canisius, stay overnight. Next day, fish Honey Eye for half a day. Leave, go fish. What would Seneca for half a day, and then bounce up over to Cayuga half a day. Uh, Oneida up to the Saint Lawrence, and then to Sodas Bay to Aroundacoy Bay, and then back home to whatever the lower it's a hardcore trip the, the half day, it would be the half day stuff so dude I, i've uh i like where your head's at one i've done uh i've done a lot of hardcore fishing trips in the past and uh two of the more intense ones involved so we had this one trip called scab mobic um which was uh, we fished Saskatchewan, Alberta, British Columbia, and Montana. Okay, all in one trip. And so we drove. We flew to Great Falls, Montana. Overnight, drove to drove to Saskatchewan, which destroyed us. Like we got there real late on fumes, barely found gas stations. Whatever. Fished Saskatchewan for a few days. Similar routine to Alberta. There we were a little more paced, slipped, you know, we slept in tents for some of the time. But long story short, across, like, it took us 10 days. And that pace was pretty good. Like, we covered some ground. It was a decent amount of driving. Um, we got to really soak certain areas. Um, and then another trip we did was around a 10-day trip as well, where we drove from here to Hayward, Wisconsin, fished muskies for three days up there, then drove down and fished the Driftless region near the border of Iowa for like four days, and then drove to central Michigan, fished there for a few days, then drove to northern Michigan, Beaver Island, and fished out of there for a few days, and then drove home. My point is, like that trip, we both got uh, brutally sick afterwards because we just ran ourselves yeah. ragged. So my point is, is like, dude, you need to... You got it. I don't care how old you are and how resilient you think you are. Um, if you get to the point where you're like really covering ground for the sake of covering ground, you'll definitely miss the forest for the trees. You know, like you'll be one, you'll be exhausted, 
And two, there's just too much stress and, and anxiety, anxiety behind it. You know, it's more worthwhile over the course of, uh, let's just say, five years where there's certain finger lakes or trips or like, it, it could be <clears throat> just a, a, a like six or seven day itinerary or a Monday through Friday itinerary that involve like going to maybe two finger lakes and really chalking those up. And then do another one that involves like a five-day itinerary where it's three days in the St. Lawrence and two days in another Finger Lake or so, something to, to, that, to that end. It'd be, it'd be, you would enjoy it, I think, far more if you got to really pick apart a place instead of constantly hopped. Because like three, it just take three days is like the minimum just to kind of feel yeah. what the area's got going on, you know. But a half day... You're just covering ground to cover ground. Well, well, <clears throat> excuse me. So my my idea with it is, and I mentioned Seneca. I don't know Seneca, but I wanted to hit the ones that I do know. Yeah. So I, you know, and yeah, it is a lot, but like Honey Eye and Canisius, I could even knock out in one day, and I'm pretty confident I could go in and just catch fish. I'm not like <clears throat> my goal would be more so. Like they. Uh, on the lakes, they'd be like four hour trips or something a little yeah. more minimum, not eight hour days. Uh, so like Canisius Honey, I know pretty well. Cayuga, I might even skip all night or go up to the St. Lawrence, come back, fish sodas and Aronicoi because I yeah, know those. And plus, and, the know. other thing too, man, is you could just come up with an itinerary based off conditions if you're traveling yeah. your own stuff. You know, that I think is pretty, really interesting, you know, to be able to trail your own boat kind of tailor a trip along the way mm-hmm. Made it, it happen. the other cool thing about where we're at up on the st lawrence is black lake is right by there are you familiar no um black lake i, I look it up sometimes it's, it's pretty it's produced a lot of big largemouth over the years um has walleye in it too and stuff it's a, it's a cool lake but anyways uh randy also guides there and we've gotten him there in the past but I wanted to bring this up earlier. So you and Randy, I think, could have a really good conversation, uh, as he and I did, about fish conservation. And so Black Lake has been having issues, and he also thinks that the St. Lawrence is starting to have the same issues of it's getting overfished. There's a lot of pressure, um, especially the St. Lawrence. You know, They've been having all these big tournaments. People have been going there all the time. Uh, he feels like the numbers have gone down, and if anyone would know, it would be him who's on it, you know, right. almost every day. Uh, and same thing with Black Lake. So I mentioned to him kind of our idea of what we've talked about for the tournaments before is, well, even if it was just temporarily to see if it works. So Black Lake, for example, because, you know, there's, and it's this touristy place, so you know a lot of bass are getting taken out of these places as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, two, three years, do an experiment. Change the limit. You cannot keep five bass, you can keep two. I'd like it to be one or none, if possible, you know, but, like, two. You know, have a healthy variety, you know, variety. Take some out, you know. But, and see what happens with these populations, because if New York State doesn't stock the bass, you know, like, obviously, yes, these fisheries will bound back. That's what happens when they get overfished. But if you can prevent that from happening, yeah, 
you know, and Bells. start, yeah, and help everyone out. Um, you know, the, the guides, the, the community, people coming in, they're going to want to fish it because it's a better fishery consistently. So, and he I, was really, he was really all on board about that. And he, and he, excuse me, it's like, and he is a guy who used to do the tournament circuits. Like he was hardcore into it. Like, and <clears throat> he, he and I have had many conversations about that. Cause a few, you know, the last few years I was getting really, really into the tournaments and he was kind of like warning me in, in ways. And he was like, you know, it's not going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I definitely get it now, especially like having the podcast with you and talking to a lot more guides and people in the fishing community that despite tournaments being a lot of fun, uh, there are a lot of downfalls to them as well that, yeah. you know, c- could be prevented for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the know, tournament pressure was the only thing that would be, you know, that would be minimal. But the fact is, is like, you know, tournament pressure generates attention, which generates more pressure. Yeah. No. The ripple effect. It's uh, but the the thing about the flow there, you could there could be some sort of intervention. You know maybe, but. You know, like the, from a guide's perspective, like would it be great that there were if there were less people out there fishing? Yeah. But um, just. It would be great if there were less recreational anglers out there fishing, right? But, you know, as far as captains go, the cap- not everybody can be a captain. So I don't, like, we all fish respectfully. We keep distance. There's not a lot of rivalry around here. So I don't, not so much concerned about that. But even if, it, let's just say that all the captains had so much business that we were booked all the time and we were putting way too much pressure on the fishery, it's like, well, that's going to crest at some point. You know, um, it, it, like you said, if we beat the crap out of the resource and the resource yeah. starts going away because we've killed it, then people will book less trips because they don't want to pay for an experience that's going to result in catching beat up fish yeah. or very few fish. Yeah. And then demand decreases. You know, that's why I typically don't soak areas for very long and I constantly move around even to the detriment of numbers is just to just to see what's up. But you know, if that happens, you could try to intervene with regulation, right? But who knows if that regulation will actually have the designed effect. I, I just think it's more of a, yeah. it's more of an education, not more. My personal perspective is that people just need to educate themselves. We just, or we are part of that, teaching people yeah, how to handle fish accordingly. And in the end, like, like, this is what I saw a lot. There was a couple of times over the past two weeks where I was fit, trolling an area for walleyes. And dudes would see me catch fish and just converge in my position. And get to the point where I could, like, stare a dude in his eyes at another boat. You know, the, like, not even thinking that it's, it's problematic to do that. Or bad etiquette to do that. You know, and how did that come to pass? You know, it's, uh... So... I think it's incumbent upon people to figure out ways to spread out and not be greedy, you know? Um, but that's just my personal take. That's the, that's what I'm going to do. 
And if it involves, that's what I always do. You know, and if it involves catching less fish, then it involves catching less fish. But at least we're not like beating up the same area and, you know, and it also makes it to, it also makes me realize like, uh, there might be something else to do out there, you know, like take for into consideration the fact that we used to get great salmon runs in October, in September and October, and we don't anymore. You know, like if your whole thing is based off of that and those salmon runs don't happen anymore, um, then what are you going to do? So, so I, I, I just wanted to, because I, th- I found this, you know, you, you, we had a very similar thing about this when, uh, I think it was after we went on our lake trout trip, is you as an angler have to decide when's enough enough. Like. Yeah. There's guys always bragging about, yeah, I, I had a, a hundred fish day bass fishing. And I used to really want to have one of those, but now I realize, like, that's super just not, it, it's too much of a good thing isn't a good thing. Like, it's, and the damage, like, just, like, I wouldn't want to go hook a hundred fish in the upper Niagara. Yeah, I mean. You know, like, not even just. Because that's an, like more of maybe an ego thing is like you want to do it, but like you're not thinking also like what are the effects of this for you for yeah. everyone else I know that fishes. So if I, if I if if I I one I'd never have an objective of catching a hundred fish if it if, if it transpires which it has a couple of times, lots of days where there's been uh, over fifty, you know, in the spring, it, 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 lots of days it's been over fifty in the fall. Um, but that's not all coming out of the same spot. You know, yeah, like if, if yeah. you, if I, I can, if I got three guys in my boat fishing and I drift through some of the zones that are holding and we pull 10 fish off of the first two drifts, I mean, just do the math, man. It's three dudes casting, you know? So if you keep moving, like you're going to accumulate yeah. those numbers just as long as you're not beating up the same spot is my point. Yeah. You know, the upper has got over 28 miles of water. The lower has got a lot. You know, and, and people ask me, well, why are you leaving fish to find fish? And it's like, well, because I don't want to keep crushing the same spot, you know. And, and the, yeah. the, the funny thing is, if you ask people, uh, clients, or if you give them an option to stay somewhere and keep pounding versus cover ground somewhere else and explore, like 99 out of 100 of them want to cover ground and explore. So, now if you... And, but, dude, I understand. Like, you asked the question, how much is enough? Okay. I mean, that's... If you think about what we do, if we were, like, a, in a time where it was, like, we were aboriginals or, like... Okay. Like, Native Americans. Yeah. And suddenly nature presented an opportunity to harvest an inordinate amount of food such that we could live off of it for a long time and not have to worry about hunting for a while. Like, you better believe we would capitalize on it. Yeah, you know, but- They did it with plains, uh, with plains animals all the time and stuff like that. So that, that, that instinct is there. You just, uh, you got to know when to turn it off, I guess. But there would never be a time where... I was covering where I'd be covering water, consistently moving, raking up numbers to where I would say, 
Yeah, we've caught too many boys. Let's fucking reel it up. I would say that if we peppered a spot and pulled a bunch of fish out of it, and uh, then I would say, yeah, it's it's time to move. But if we kept fishing all day and every spot we we went through, we caught a bunch of fish. Like I wouldn't turn the faucet off and say, yeah, you guys have caught seventy fish today. It's done. We're we're putting a bow on it and leaving. So you know? so, so so I get that, and obviously, especially. Uh, we'll wrap it up here soon, but especially from your perspective as as a guide, yeah. Um, but also like you did mention, like so if we were like if the if we if this was our primal like and we were, were you know thousand years ago, and we're having to do this, I bet that they did have a notion of when enough is enough because they definitely could overfish it and they could definitely hurt the population and they definitely had had to have caused. You know, small famines and stuff due to stuff due to Depends that situation. Depends on how group, how large the group of people. Yeah, is. That is true. That is true. But you know, because <clears throat> if you just if it was just a small tribe posted up on the cat, let's say yeah, and uh, they were gill nutting walleyes or spearing walleyes on the spawning run, you know, a few hundred years ago, or the Buffalo River, um. They would get enough, sure, they would get enough to feed themselves for a while. They wouldn't, like, get enough to the point... They wouldn't kill more than they could consume. Yeah, yeah. And by consume, I mean, like, smoke, salt, or preserve and store. You know, like, there, there's a limit there. Yeah, there's, exactly, there, yeah. There's, like, there's a... Uh, there's a capacity issue yeah. there. Like, they can only carry so much smoke, so much, or whatever. But you better believe, if given the opportunity to yield... A massive amount they would but yeah I, I think the limit is also constrained by logistics you know so that it, it's it's an inherent limitation to say hey i'm not going to kill thousands of things because in the end it's just useless it's just going to end up spoiling but i'm going to max out whatever i can max out in this period mm. so but good yeah i mean it's uh it's definitely good to hear from you again man and hang out um What's your plan over the next couple of weeks? I mean, I'll be out, not uh, to this upcoming week, Tuesday, or I think it's, yeah, Tuesday looks really crappy, but the rest of the week looks good. I mean, I'm booked every day, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get out on Tuesday. They're calling for three to fives, lots of wind, mm. lots of rain, but the rest of the days look pretty good. So, uh, as for me, I, I might get out kayak fishing again this week, uh, but, excuse me. Thursday through Saturday, I'm going camping again, because uh, I had such a great great time the last yep. time, so I'm going again. Uh, I might fish that Saturday or Sunday when I get back. Um, I, I definitely plan to fish a little more local stuff. I want to hit up the river in Erie again, just kind of, because, oh, you know, over, and I know we're wrapping up, but, you know, when, when I go months without fishing these places, I get out of the rhythm so much. So I'm trying to make it more conscious to like the ones that I want to focus on fish more consistently. But, and then eventually in the next two weeks or so, I definitely want to get out to like Canisius and hunt some semi-local largemouth. But, uh, yeah, that's it for me. Nice. Lots of lures to make coming up as well. So that'll be in the rotation. Cool. We'll be back again next weekend, back in the normal rhythm. All right, tight lines, everybody. See you.